Hello and welcome to Creativity Uncovered. My name is Abby Gatling and I'm on a journey to uncover how everyday people find inspiration, get inventive and open their imagination. I basically want to find out how people use creativity at home, at work, at play and everything in between. And my goal for this podcast is that by the end of it, you'll be armed with a whole suite of tried and tested ways for you to be able to summon creativity the next time that you need it. Joining me today on the podcast is Dr. Marion Piper, and I'm very, very excited to speak to Marion because I actually saw her present at a design summit a couple of months ago, and I just had to reach out. Um, and that's the great thing about this podcast is just that I get to um, pick the brains of people who are inspiring, um, and that's exactly what I'm planning to do today. So um, welcome, Marion. Oh, thanks so much for having me. And that was the Designer Boss Summit, which if people aren't aware of it, it's an absolute riot. I had such a good time. Um, and kudos to you for reaching out. You know, I think, um, you know, in today's like hyper-connected world, it can be really intimidating to reach out to people or sort of, you know, preemptively think that they're, you know, that they wouldn't want to do it. But I've also found in my journey that the times that I reach out and, you know, want to collaborate with people, it's received usually pretty warmly. So like, I love, I love the position where we're starting this conversation from. (laughs) That's it. I'm trying to um, um, act on my sparks of curiosity a bit more intentionally. And so you know, when I was watching that and there were a bunch of other really great presenters as well, I was like, I would like to know more about this. So I'm just going to YOLO and do it. So I appreciate you um, saying yes. <laughs> I, I YOLO'd to your YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> yes, YOLO squared. <laughs> oh, that's good. So, um, yeah, I'm super keen to jump into our conversation. I have so many questions for you. And there's so many things that I want to talk to you about. Um, hopefully we can get through it all. Um, but what caught my eye in the summit a couple of months ago was um, you had the session about book, uh, pushing through creative blocks and supercharging your creative process. Um, and I'm sure you're going to share lots of great tips throughout this conversation. But I actually would like to start with something else that you mentioned in your presentation. And that was about your PhD in creativity and post-traumatic growth. Um, Because I know there has to be a story behind that. That is a really interesting combination. So why don't we start there? Tell Tell me a bit more about your PhD. How did you get there? And how did you choose that topic? Oh, man. Uh, Talk about opening Pandora's box (laughs) from the start. I (laughs) love this. Uh, Yeah. So, um, oh, gosh. The PhD was was one of the most incredibly personal and uh, growth-fueled journeys that I've ever had the absolute honour of doing. You know, a lot of people think that a PhD is this incredibly heady, you know, very analytical, very um, numbers-based experience, which for a lot of people it is. Uh, but for me, it was it was very much a journey of catharsis and it was, um, it kind of coincided um, 
serendipitously with a lot of other things that were happening in my life at the time, um, almost in a chicken or the egg kind of scenario. You know, did I do the PhD because it was going to be the, the life raft that I could cling to to survive the things that were happening in my personal life? Or um, did things happen in my personal life that then created the need for that exploration? So, um, and this is something that I'm, yeah, this is something I'm really curious um, to investigate myself um, and have been doing in some way, shape or form my entire life is just trying to understand um, trauma, um, why things um, happen to us uh, and what happens to us as a result of, 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 you know, the things that we experience. And so um, it was a really uh, bizarre series of events that led to that PhD. Um, I'd been living abroad. I was traveling. I just finished my master's and my high school art teacher, um, shout out to Lexi Lassick. Uh, she reached out to me seeing that I finished my master's and said, hey, do you want to come and do a PhD with me? I was like, uh, no, I've just done a thousand years at university. I'm, <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Uh, but then she said, she, you know, whispered that, um, you know, that magic phrase of you can do whatever you want. And that really uh, tapped into my, one of my core values, which is freedom. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I started, this is the beautiful thing with PhD projects, particularly ones that are more creatively fueled. And mine was 60% uh, creative practice, 40% research. And so you start at the biggest possible, widest point of the funnel. And just over the years, you just narrow, 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 narrow until you end up at this place that sounds almost too simple to be a research project, right? <laughs> because because that's it. Like wisdom is simple. Um, anything that's overcomplicated hasn't been distilled enough. So um, what I was really interested in was um, not so much, uh, you know, the bad things that happen to us after trauma, like, you know, we might experience PTSD, we might fall apart, we might, you know, take that downward spiral as a result of what we've been through. I was more interested with the the upwards tick, what I call the, um, the spiral up. So what what is that process like? What is, um, what kickstarts it? Is there, is there ways to, that we can encourage it? Um, and that's where I really, uh, discovered the term post-traumatic growth, which comes out of positive psychology. Um, these two researchers in the US, um, Tadeshi and Calhoun, um, really spearheaded the journey. There's been other researchers over the last sort of 10 to 15 years that have looked into lots of other things like um, people who survive natural disasters, significant physical um, injuries like or um, experiences like breast cancer or losing a limb. Um, but psychologically speaking, so, and, and from a creative lens, it's like, well, okay, like, how do we, how do we process? How do we deal with the stuff that happens to us? And in my personal experience, the thing that saved me over and over and over again is creativity. It is the one thing that no matter what I go through, if I dip into that process, it always helps. Like there is no negative, at least what I've found, there's no negative consequence um, to experiencing the creative process, except the fact that, you know, you might change your life. You might um, decide to completely upend everything. You might discover something new about yourself. So um, I went into that project. I kind of went into that project thinking that I would be exploring that 
um, in an external way. So I was really looking at resilience in teenagers is where I kind of started because I was, I knew that that time of life is really significant and there's not, there, at that point, there wasn't a huge amount of research done. Um, and I was in an, an arts education faculty. So we were looking more through it as a, from an educational lens rather than yep. a, a psychological one. But then um, as I sort of started to do the research, I started to see myself in the research. Um, and that's when I oh. really, yeah, I really lent in and, you know, was like, okay, this is the time for me to really explore what I went through as a kid. Um, because also from an advocacy perspective, you know, there, there really wasn't a lot of arts-based research uh, that talked about what all this stuff feels like. You know, there's so many um, clinical trials done or um, research projects by the numbers that sort of explain, oh, you know, X percentage of people experience post-traumatic growth or like these are the traits that people have that are more likely to experience post-traumatic growth. But there was there really wasn't a lot from a narrative perspective or a creative perspective that actually showed you um, or gave you an inside look into what this stuff feels like. And, um, you know, my one of the things that I love most about the creative process is it gives us a through line to self-expression. It allows us to take something that's inside of us that, that you know, it begins as a feeling or it might begin as a thought but moves as it becomes a feeling and translate that into something that someone else might understand. And so this process that, I, that I've been developing and honing over the years is really that transmutation. How do we take our pain and turn it into something purposeful, something beautiful, something useful to other people um, mm. that isn't necessarily didactic? So it's not like I'm saying to you, um, you know, this is my pain um, and these are the exact um, reasons why or here's what you'll learn. Like it's not about it being educational, but it's like that process of transmutation, here's what it can feel like, here's how we can potentially guide ourselves through it. So as you can imagine, it was a bit of a baptism of fire um, and my project was really around, I created an artist book called Mother which um, explored what um, my mum and I went through when I was a kid and through her um, alcoholism and our broken family and, you know, all those kinds of things. And so I created this artist book that was an exploration of the post-traumatic growth. So it was looking at not so much at the trauma but as the positive things that came out of it and it was my really my way of processing and understanding who I am and where I've come from. Yeah. And then... Uh, alongside that, you know, the universe works in crazy ways. This is this chicken or egg thing that I was telling you about. Um, my mom actually got really sick and then passed away um, oh. in the second or I think it was the second or third, probably the second, yeah, it was the second year of my, of my project. So oh, gosh, I, yeah. And it, it became this thing where I was living my research as I was doing it, you know, it, and wow. it became, yeah, I became my own therapist, my own life coach, my own, you know, mentor um, alongside my supervisors who equally went through some pretty horrific things during the course of my project. Um, and so, you know, it's just, just this, it's the reminder that, you know, life has so much beautiful raw material that we can use that we don't understand and we can use creativity as a force 
to understand it so that we can learn from it, right? Yeah, so this, wow. It this sounds is the, yeah. like so meta, right? You're doing oh, this PhD. So <laughs> meta, the most meta. <laughs> yeah, you're doing this PhD investigating creativity's impact on post-traumatic growth at the same time while you're doing a creative act of writing the book and then also experiencing even more trauma. That yeah, is... I pretty much fell apart after it was done. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I can imagine. I mean, most people do just through because of the sheer amount of work, let alone all these other hugely emotional impacting things throughout it. Well, you know, and I, I, I think back at that time and that person that I was when I started that project was very, is very, very different to, you know, the iteration of myself that I am now. But, um, you know, you mentioned at the start that you were leaning in for this podcast, you're leaning into that curiosity and that's what I was doing. Something was coming up for me that was, was like, Hey, I like demanding my attention. It was like, Hey, Hey, we need to look at this. We need to explore this. There's something valuable here. And so what I did was I created in my external reality, the systems and structures to support that exploration, you know, and I think if we can start to think more from an inside out perspective about our lives and what we want to do and what we want to create, um, it becomes less about how do I fit myself and my creative voice into these things that exist in the world and becomes more about how do I find um, these structures and systems and the things that already exist that are going to support the things that I'm passionate about, which is why, you know, you see people get, you know, leave jobs, create toxic environments, you know, because they're trying to fit themselves into something that isn't right. Mm. Um, but we we have so much more agency when it comes to our creativity, and and you'll sort of you'll sort of hear me talk about it in a way that's that might be a little bit different, because I'm really trying to separate it from the artistry, from the act of being creative. When mm. we talk about creativity per se, my definition is that it's an organic process of connecting the dots in new and interesting ways. So it's really not about what you produce, but it's how you look and it's how you act in the world. Um, before you even put pen to paper, you know, dance or sing or whatever, like that's very, very, that's one of the byproducts of creativity, but I'm bringing it a step yes. back rather than following down that um, skills and abilities and talents. Uh, yes. Pathway. Oh, I love that. I think that's a really interesting take on creativity. Um, and I saw that on your website. Creativity isn't just art. It's how we connect the dots. And it really does speak to creativity being a mindset and not just a creative act. That's just very interesting. Like how did you how did you stumble across that as being your view of creativity? Yeah, it's a good question. Um I think I think I've always felt this way. Um, and it's evidence to me. I mean, obviously this stuff is easier to see when you look back because you can connect yeah. the dots easier when you can actually see the dots for what they are. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's evidence to me by the fact that I never really well, writing has always been, you know, one of my biggest passions. It's not the only one. And I've always oscillated between every possible type of creative expression that you could imagine. And I love them all just in different degrees. Right. So that for me was an indication first and foremost, that it's not really about the medium for me. It's about the process and it's about the experience and how that experience makes me feel. So 
when I was doing um, my PhD specifically, I had to come up with it. I had to define it. I had to define this thing called creativity in order to frame my research underneath it. That's part of the process, right? You've got to put some parameters around your thinking um, so that it builds a stronger case for you throughout the, the course of your project. And so, you know, I was looking at different um, definitions of creativity that were, you know, more process driven or potentially they were more outcome driven or they were more spiritually driven. Um, but then when I read the one about it being an organic process, particularly and organic processes happen inside living things. And that's really a big part of the definition for me is like it's something that we do and that is so innate to us. Um, even on a cellular level. And I mean, you could argue, you know, we are the universe atomically on a very, very basic level. We're made of the same stuff as the stars. What's the universe's, um, you know, MO that they've figured constantly expanding. It's constantly creating. That is what we are doing. We are a reflection of that, right? So (laughs) connecting it to something bigger than you as well makes it, um, I think takes a lot of the pressure off. I know it does for me um, so that I can just play, you know, if my job is just constant expansion, constant creation, it actually doesn't matter what I produce. So long as I honor that innate urge that's within me. Um, and so that's why I also have um, a Substack newsletter, which is called the creative urge, because oftentimes this stuff starts when we like, we feel that like that little pull that, like, oh, oh, I wouldn't mind trying ceramics. Oh, I wouldn't mind cooking that recipe. Oh, I wouldn't mind, you know, getting a new, like buying a house and decorating it, you know? So all of these are just the different ways that that inner urge can potentially manifest. And in Mm. my eyes, everything is creative, everything around us from, you know, the houses that we live in to the clothes that we wear to, you know, the transport that we take to the cars that we drive are all a product of human creativity. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it became, um, became really clear to me that creativity wasn't just, uh, about the, the product. So it's not just about the product or the things that we see, but there's so much more behind it. Um, that I think when we start to pull it apart and, and put it back together in ways that make sense to us on an individual level, um, it makes things like, you know, starting the business, starting the podcast, you know, mm-hmm. um, having the conversation, it makes that stuff a lot easier and more accessible because we understand how we work. And that's kind of what it's about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- I mean, that's way less daunting if you take the pressure off yourself to not say, I have to produce this particular thing, but just to allow yourself to sit within the process and explore I think that's really interesting because if you're putting the pressure on you to actually produce something at the end of it you may not even start it oh man yeah I mean the 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 number of conversations I have with people who are shoulda gonna uh wanna about (laughs) so many different things you know um and it's because they're putting they're putting the um the cart before the horse uh, and so for me, whenever I, whenever I try to create something, it's not so much about, you know, I want to, I mean, so, I mean, sometimes it is, sometimes, you know, you have a defined thing that you're working towards, like, yes, I want to start the podcast or yes, I want to start, um, you know, a newsletter, like that's pretty defined. I think those ones where you're kind of just applying your thinking and knowledge to an already existing framework they're easy. Like anybody can do that stuff. Cause that all that is, is just about showing up and doing the thing. Mm. However, 
Where it gets more complicated is when there is, when what you're trying to create is more abstract because it maybe it's about something else. So it, maybe it's not about the outcome, but it, maybe it's about an idea. Maybe it's about a movement. Um, think about something as abstract as business. You can set up all the frameworks. You can set up all the tools. You can set up all the systems. But if you don't have a thing that you are selling, they don't really mean anything. So um, the things that are more abstract often trip people up faster. And this is where, particularly in that Designer Boss Summit, my presentation was all about the incubation part of the creative process, which is the part um, when you think about things that incubate um, and the classic example is baking a cake, <laughs> you know, mm. you don't, you, you, you know, you, of course you get your ingredients, you get your recipe, you've got your method, you make the butter, you put it in the tin. What do you do next? You put it in the oven and you leave it. You leave it for a certain amount of time. You shouldn't be, they tell you, don't open the oven door. It's going to make it take longer. Don't poke it. Don't prod it. Don't, you know, don't add more things to it. Just let it be, you know? And I think this is the part because we're in late stage capitalism, it's the part of the equation that people um, don't want to do because it's the part where you have to do nothing. You have to just trust. You have to be and you have to trust and you have to leave things alone. Like, I swear, like so many things go unfinished because people won't wait another day or another week to just let it develop. You know, they just, they, they try to rush it, they rush it and they, ha they hate it. And so they, they just drop it or they just don't finish it at all because they're like, this is taking too long, you know? So there's, there's an element, yes, at the start. And so in different parts of the process, yes, at the start, be energetic, have that vibe, that push, that hustle to get things started. But once it's started, you know, once it's open, once it's happening, like take a few steps back and just let it be, let it, let, you know, take a moment to see what's trying to come out. You know, we don't have to control every part of the process. In fact, if you try to control every part of the process, um, you're going to end up burning out. Like that's a fast track to burnout if you try to keep a hold of everything. So um, I think that there's this beautiful push and pull between active creation and passive creation. So mm. those moments when we should, when we should lean in, when we should push, and then those moments when we need to retreat because we're in this for the a marathon, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And we're in this for the long haul. Like I want to be creating stuff till the day I die. So I know now that it's okay to just let something simmer or let something bake. Um, and while you're doing that, and this is the best part of it, you can go work on something else. There's always something else to do. Hey, hey there you go. <laughs> I, I do think that that is probably why um, a lot of people are afraid to jump into creativity because we have this kind of expectation that you do everything um, only if you're good at it. And so um, just going out there and just trying different ways, exploring different forms of creativity for yourself and not necessarily nailing it not being like the best at it is very confronting for people but I think what you're saying there about kind of being passive sometimes you're just going to be sitting in that journey and not you're not going to be sprinting ahead yeah it is a it's a marathon you might you might even be doing it walking pace or crawling pace but you're still moving 
Absolutely. Because there's no, this is the thing, like the creative process, it's not a linear thing. You know, it's a quantum experience. You are in every single phase of the creative process at all times. Some are just, some just need more attention or, you know, more love than others. Um, and they'll, 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 you know, they'll come into, into frame, they'll recede back when they, you know, when you've, when they've, you've given them what they need. Um, and the thing is like, and this is why I made that comment around late stage capitalism, because we, we forget that the capitalist imperative is production. Like that is, that is the highest goal of production, faster, more efficient, cheaper, um, and volume, right? That is not what, what our, our MO is as humans, right? Our, our, the things that, uh, you know, allow us to flourish are rest, it's connection, it's experience, it's emotion, you know. So not everything that you create needs to be sold. Um, and this is that's another conversation I have with people all the time. Like not everything needs to be monetized. <laughs> you can mm. just keep it for yourself. Um, and not everything needs to be shared, you know. Like so many people, particularly what I see with uh, commercial creatives, so they're our designers, developers, copywriters, Anybody who works in a job, marketers, small business owners, entrepreneurs, anyone works in a job where they're trading their creative creativity for money, um, they often uh, burn out the most when they have given too much of themselves away. And I am totally guilty of this and it happens to me all the time um, because they forget that they've got to put stuff back in creatively. And, and I'm not talking in terms of like just having a holiday or meditating or having a nap, but you have to create something that's personally meaning for you because that personal fuel is what's going to drive everything else. Again, coming back to that inside out approach, like being more creative in the external world is not going to fill our cup in the same way that it would somebody who doesn't work in a creative job. So there are differences and nuances here um, between um, you know, what kinds of creative activities we should do and try and stick with depending on, you know, where creativity sits in our own personal ecosystem. You know, if it is my job, oh my God, like I do not want to have to have the pressure of being a master ceramicist. That would stress me, you know, it would just stress me out. However, um, one of the things I love doing is just coloring in a coloring book. Like the amount of joy that brings me, does anybody need to see that shit? No, like it's like useless, <laughs> you know, it doesn't do anything for anybody else except it makes me really happy. So um, yeah. I think that's part of it too is understanding that, you know, um, yes, you don't have to be uh, a master. You don't even have to be a beginner. You could just have it be something that's behind closed doors that just gives you some time to express yourself. Because in essence, that's what creativity, um, you know, in a human perspective, from a human perspective, that's what it's there for. It's allowing us to release some of that emotional tension, to get out what we need to get out, that what, what's trying to come out, what we need to get out, to clear, to clear, clear our insides, to make them a little bit more calm, collected, grounded, that kind of stuff. Mm, it's that, is that why you were linking um, creativity to, I think you called it the antidote to trauma. Is that like, Oh it, yeah. yeah. Just as the, yeah, I, I pretty much, I've got, I've got like a one liner that's like creativity is the antidote. Um, it's like, it's the poison and the antidote. Right. So, um, oh, it's so, and it's such a, it's such an interesting paradox 
because especially for people um, who work in creative jobs, oftentimes the last thing you want to do is, you know, um, create something else for, you know, for someone else. So um, what I sort of say is like 30 minutes a day, that is just for you. Like, it's not about, it's not about producing. It's not about like, oh, I'm going to write a book. It's not about um, anything that has a defined ending or outcome. It is about a practice. And this is so I've, I've also, I use this um, analogy quite a bit of an iceberg analogy. And I think a lot of other people do as well in different industries. But for me, like if we think about an iceberg, you have a little bit at the tip that's um, out of the water that everybody can see. That's what I, that's the creative product. So that's the website, it's the painting, it's the dance, it's the movie, whatever. You go below the surface and that's where the biggest part of the iceberg is, that chunky middle bit. That's the process. So it's just behind the product. It's it's basically what you go through to produce the product. But the part of the of creativity that I think is the most underserved and the most um, underutilized um, is right at the very very bottom of the iceberg. It's kind of like it's it's the thing. It's like the uh, what do you call that? The um, like, like a tail. Little, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or it's like the thing that everything else kind of pivots on. It's got yeah. a word. Classic, yeah. classic copywriter brain. Um, <laughs> words sometimes escape me. Yeah. Um, but it's it's like the magnet that everything else pivots off. Um, at the very, very bottom of the iceberg, uh, it's in the deepest, coldest, harshest water. It's the creative practice. So people often don't t- don't talk about. I mean, artists do a lot, and this is where I think that when we 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 need to um, rally and get behind and lift up our artists because they lead with practice for them if they do not practice their creativity every day everything is wrong you know whereas for everybody else um the practice of creativity is often the most unnerving because it's like well what do I produce what do I have at the end of it where's my reward because that's how we're trained so when I say 30 minutes a day of tapping into your own creativity that's what it's about it's like what can I do that I can just experience that allows me on a small scale um, to play, to to move around, to connect some dots together. Um, mm. And some of my favourite activities for that, colouring in, as I mentioned before, is a brilliant one. Um, even just like drawing, doing a puzzle, um, cooking is amazing. Um, I, I tend to err away from the more wellness activities, um, even though they, I think they are very creative. But again, they have defined, they kind of have their own defined outcomes. So it's more more things that, particularly things that you can do with your hands that pull you off a screen. Um, they're so, and it's so, so good for your brain and for your mental health and for your nervous system um, to have that experience um, in little bite-sized chunks every week because that's the other part, right, is that people are like, I'm going to be creative. And so, you know, they'll go to their calendar and they'll block out four hours on a Saturday um, and then they wonder why they never show up for it (laughs) because it's too much. It's too much. It has to be the lowest possible bar for us every day to build up the habit of creativity, habit, practice, habit, practice, call it what you will. Um, But yeah, so I think that's, if we can start to, you know, from an inside out perspective, think about what are the things that I like to do? What are the things that bring me joy? Um, It could be jewelry making. It could be, you know, hand modeling clay, um, anything, you know, mm. um, it just, it just is a completely different way, um, of experiencing life. Mm. Yeah, it's true. And it is a step-by-step 
sort of thing. You can't just fully jump in and expect to be a champion swimmer. <laughs> You're going to dip your toes in the water first. Um, and so, like, with you, with this being such a sort of a creativity being a healing process and a growth process, do you think that we are going to start seeing this being prescribed to people as a as a part of a treatment or do you think that is just too far too far no no I you know we've been doing that for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years you know if we if we look at even some of our first you know some of the first inhabitants of this country you know their art and creativity and self-expression were were woven into their storytelling from day dot right um, and even in some of um, some other cultures, you know, you go to the shaman and, you know, you'd say, I'm feeling this way. And they'd be like, okay, like go and paint this brick for four days, you know? So I think there's been, there's <laughs> been so many different examples of, of it across time. Um, and, you know, there is a whole, um, particularly for trauma treatment, you know, there's a whole, the whole field of art therapy, um, which if you're in crisis, um, is an incredibly beautiful thing and gift that you can give to yourself. Um, that purely focuses on the practice. It's not about um, you're not training to be an artist, but you, you're using art in a therapeutic way. Um, and you know, I've I've definitely done a lot of reading and research, and you know, I've got a few friends who are in the field. Um, and it's you know, it's not as popular as it should be, um, but I think that um, naturally, when capitalism is is dipping towards creativity as being the biggest money winner as we're seeing now with, and we have been seeing over the last sort of five to 10 years with the creator economy, um, there has to be tools and systems and support that that builds up around that, um, you know, and we saw it, we saw it with the wellness industry before that. So I think it's only going to be coming, it's only going to become an even more important conversation um, as, as our uh, understanding of the human brain um, continues to evolve as the conversation around mental health continues to expand and broaden um, mm. and become, you know, um, a lot more human, I think people, you know, and I think everyone's, you know, even if we look back, and this is my favourite example of this, if we look back to the pandemic when we are in lockdown, what did everybody do? Their first instinct, it wasn't to, to you know, to work more. It was like, let's bake bread. <laughs> let's, <laughs> yes. let's, let's upcycle furniture. You know, let's knit. So there, I think um, I think the pro- part of the problem with creativity is that because it's so innate and it's so deep within us, um, it gets taken for granted. It gets mm-hmm. taken for granted in every way imaginable. Um, and and you know, and again, that's part of that whole conversation around creativity is the antidote because it's there, it's within us. It's it's just you know, it never goes away. It doesn't dry up. It just it's just chills. It's chill in there until you need it, really. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of almost on demand. We just need to know how to tap into it. (laughs) Absolutely. And everybody everybody has their own um, way of doing that, um, I believe, based on your life experience, you know. For me, like my my creativity is very much wired to challenge and growth and trauma. So when something, if something challenging happens, the first thing I do is I I go into create a creation mode. The first question I ask myself when shit goes down is, what can I make of this? This is the very first question. For other people, it might be when they're really happy. It's like, oh my gosh, I've had I'm having the best time. How do I express this? You know, and then they then they leap to the canvas. So 
I think it's about figuring out with what's going on in your life, um, what are the what are the kind of conversations that are happening in your head um, that could potentially be a creative moment. You know, when you find yourself, um, you know, if, and maybe it's you know maybe maybe you struggle with conflict, and there's a conversation that you need to have with someone, but you're really scared to have it. It's like, could that be a creative moment? Could me and this person go and do a life drawing class and we talk while we're painting? You know, hmm. so we can use creativity as a vehicle for difficult things. And I guess that's kind of what my, um, the, you know, the tagline of, of my life is, is that, you know, creativity isn't just about, um, you know, what we do, how we do it, but it's also like how we are, you know, cause this is, this is our lives, this is our creative life and it is about what you want to do with it. Wow. And th- that really kind of sings back to what you said before is like, there's no right or wrong way for it, whether it comes out of happiness or, from the the deepest depths of sorrow however expresses that's or wherever it um wherever it comes from is still fine absolutely yeah there's no um you know there's no one way for any of this or for anything really you know and i think i think the quicker you can get your wrap your head around that the fact that there is more than one way to do anything um the easier it becomes to find your own path through it because that's it, right? You know, this is creativity is for you. It's not for your boss. It's not for your partner. It's not for your kids. I mean, everybody can have it. There's, It's not something that is a finite resource like time or money. Creativity is in, is a quantum resource. It is, it expands, it is constantly expanding. Um, and your job is to figure out um, A, how to tap into it. And then B, what do you want to do with it when you've got it? They're the kind of the two questions. Oh, love that. I love the fact that it's expansive and it will just continue growing. There's there's never going to be a limit to it. <laughs> no, it, it was here before us. It's going to be here after us. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I, Marion, I feel like I could talk to you. Uh, there's so many other things that are in my brain. I'm going to have to invite you back. <laughs> I, you I, would, I would love that. This is, this is the conversation of our lives, people. Never stop. <laughs> never, never, never stop. Never stop. I'll, I'll, ha- I'll, um, I'll have to sort of condense my ideas a little bit more. Cause I feel like I could talk to you for like another 24 hours straight. Um, but thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you um, giving me the time. Oh, you're so welcome. Um, honestly, like I, I take my hat off to you for creating or kind of opening up a gap for this conversation to flourish and to continue um, because it's people like you and, and people like me that we, you know, we are so passionate about what this concept can do and its power you know, this is, this is how you change stuff, right? So um, the more airtime we can give creativity, the better in my eyes. Yeah. Right on. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And I think that this conversation definitely would have um, sparked a few ideas in the listeners, um, especially about around how you can use your life experiences to help fuel your creativity. Um, So I want to say thank you so much to everyone who has tuned in to listen to Creativity Uncovered today. Um, I hope that what we've spoken about today helps you summon your creativity uh, the next time that you need it. Love it.
If you've made it this far, a huge thank you for your support and tuning into today's episode. Creativity Uncovered has been lovingly recorded on the land of the Cubby Cubby people, and we pay our respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This podcast has been produced by my amazing team here at Crisp Communications, and the music you just heard was composed by James Gatling. If you liked this episode, please do share it around and help us on our mission to unlock more creativity in this world. You can also hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episode releases.